the world is serving up a heavy dose, a heavy dose of fear right now. Fear is driving people to say and do things that they would never have done before. So this morning I want you to help me for a moment to identify some things that the world would suggest that we need to be afraid of. What are some things the world would suggest that we need to be afraid of? What's that? Oh, the five-letter word. I'm not sure that's how it's spelled, but that's inflation. <laughs> what else? War. War. Somebody saying education made me think of what my dad used to say that some people seek education and some sometimes education seeks them. My dad was a teacher, so so that's frightening, isn't it? Frightening. No wonder we're afraid. In fact, after looking at that, I think we need to change the topic. Is faith greater than fear? But you know, fear is pretty personal. That doesn't quite do it either. When I'm scared, I need something besides just an abstract concept. I need to know. Is my faith greater than my fear? Fear is a very basic emotion. We feel it in response to danger. We can feel fear from a real danger. The car is headed towards us. A conditioned danger. Spiders. Or an imagined danger. Worry. Fear can be a test or it can be a temptation, depending on our response. Fear can test our priorities and values. It can also tempt us to lose our perspective and get drawn into emotional reactions and decisions. When Goliath challenged the children of Israel, the armies of Israel, his threats caused fear that tempted Saul and the soldiers to run. <clears throat> But his challenge was a test to David, a test of David's faith in God to fight for him. And his response was, the battle is the Lord's. <clears throat> so 
the emotion of fear is not good or bad in itself. We're just designed to have it, created by God. Whether it is good or bad depends on what is causing the fear. The Bible tells us to fear in Proverbs 1 and 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ephesians 5.21, Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. But the Bible also tells us not to fear. The angel told Zacharias, Fear not, in Matthew 28 and 5. Jesus told Simon, Fear not, in Luke 5 and 10. In Hebrews chapter 12, starting verse 28, says, Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. What's godly fear? Godly fear is the fear that motivates us to move towards safety. How many of you were here were motivated by fear, at least some, when you were baptized? That was godly fear. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Godly fear seeks God as a solution. In 1 John 4 and verse 16, it tells us that God is love, and in verse 18 it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. But did you catch that? Perfect or complete love casts out fear. It doesn't say it prevents fear. It says it casts fear. As long as we are in this world, we are going to have fear. It's been here since the Garden of Eden, and it's not going to go away. But because God is love and we have faith in God's love, we can throw it out when it comes. So if that's godly fear, what's ungodly fear? Ungodly fear is hopeless torment, because without God there is no cure for the fear. There is no safety. Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 when he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If this is all there is, no wonder we're scared. Proverbs 29 and 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Without God, there is no safety to move towards. There's only fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation. Jesus says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10 and 28. <clears throat> so just because fear is natural for you to feel, and if you've never felt fear, please talk to me later. I want to know what you've done. Maybe I want to know what you've done. Maybe I don't. <laughs> it's a God-given feeling. It doesn't mean it should be allowed to control our response. 
It's a God-given emotion, but it doesn't mean we should allow it to control our response. God gives us the ability and the responsibility to decide how to react to our fears. So does God want you scared? Yes, as long as it drives you towards him so that he can give you peace and safety. So if fear is a test or a temptation, what about faith? Faith is the answer. Faith is the solution. Fear is a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. It is a choice. It is a choice to believe something and act based on that belief. It produces a feeling. It can produce a feeling of peace and safety, but it is not a feeling. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. <clears throat> faith has substance. Did you catch that? Faith has substance. It's not blind confidence. It's not an imaginary source of strength. It's not a sensation that makes your toes tingle. It is the proof of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is the substance of our faith. God exists, and God rewards those who seek him. He exists, he cares, and he rewards us. That is the source and the reason for our hope. There is only one faith that has any substance, because there's only one God and only one Lord, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Only that one Lord could sacrifice himself to redeem us from our sins and make us safe. So faith is greater than fear. Faith in God is greater than fear. That is a fact. However, we seem to struggle much of our lives with whether our faith in God is greater than our fear. At times, our faith is really strong, and we feel like we can take on anything. Other times, we get caught up in the fear and we lose sight of our faith. And there's a scripture in Mark, verse, Mark chapter 9, starting verse 23. This is a story where Jesus was, was approached by a man who, whose son had a, an evil spirit. I think it calls it a dumb spirit in the King James. That threw him into the fire and so forth. And this father came to Jesus, asked Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus says to the father, I want you to listen closely to this. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Fortunately, the one faith does not only exist if I believe it's true, it exists regardless of whether I believe it in the moment or not. And there's some comfort in that. Romans 3, starting in verse 3, says, For what 
if someone did not believe? Should their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ is the author of our faith. He has created the path with his promises. Christ is the finisher of our faith. He has covered our failures and finished what we can't with his blood so that he can present us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If we continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Colossians 1, verses 22 and 23. So how do I increase my faith so I can have hope instead of fear? How can I get my faith to be greater than my fear? Well, we're going to go through about seven things here quickly, although I can't. Shucks, that clock needs to be over there. That way I couldn't see it. I was going to say, I don't have a watch on me, so seven things we can do to help make our faith greater than our fear. Number one, review God's promises and faithfulness. Review God's promises and faithfulness. Fear can overpower our faith if we don't know God's promises. Or if we expect something that God never promised. So we need to know and understand God's promises. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 10, it says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You shall never fall. Does that make you feel better? Does that make your legs and arms feel stronger? No. No. That's a trap. That's a trap. Be careful. Because as soon as you start thinking you won't fall because you're strong, you're in danger. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. you got to be sure about what God promised you. Paul told the Corinthians, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I can relate to that. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 3 through 5. God promises that if we do these things, we will never fall because we become super strong. No, no, because God's power holds us up. David says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Psalms 37, verses 23 to 25. The Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Paul told Timothy, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. 
Hebrews 13 and 5 say, God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord is the one who upholds us. As I said before, many people of faith in the Bible struggle with fear and faith. Hebrews 11 speaks of Noah being moved with fear and built the ark. Abraham and Sarah overcoming their fear by trusting in the promises God made to them. Moses having faith to overcome his fears. What about the people of faith in our time? Do you know the fears that Richard McClung has had and how the Lord helped him overcome them? Do you know the fears that Rick Sparks has had and how the Lord helped him overcome them? Do you know what fears I have struggled with and how the Lord helped me overcome? Those testimonies can really help us if we're afraid. The Bible is full of those stories full of those stories, and so are all of you. We need to share our struggles and how God has overcome them. So number one was review God's promises and how he has been faithful to man. Number two, humbly submit. Sometimes I just want to be in charge. I want control. But then when I take it, I get scared because I realize I can't do it. I've seen a plaque where God supposedly says, Dear child, it's only following if you let me go first. Peter says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. James says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. James 4.10. You can't be in charge and lead because you don't know where you're going Jeremiah 10 and 23 says O Lord I know that the way of man is not in himself it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps every time I get in charge I get in trouble don't expect to be able to calm your fears yourself because you can't make yourself safe God is the only one that can make you safe. So you need to humble yourself and submit to him. Number three, take control of your thoughts. Human beings are the only ones, only living being that we know of, who can scare ourselves just by imagining something terrible. Sitting in your lazy boy, watching a horror movie, and your heart rate's going through the ceiling. There's nothing happening. We are the only creation capable of worry. It helps us because we can foresee things and avoid things, you know. I don't want to buy that property down by the creek. The creek might flood. You can avoid some dangers if you can see ahead, but that's not what we're doing when we worry. We can immerse ourselves in fearful things. News, politics, evil. I can't even count how many people I told stop listening to the news. Is your faith greater than your worries? That's a tough one. That depends on which one you're feeding. Are you feeding the faith or are you feeding the fear? God has a solution. 
2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Stop imagining those things. Cast them down. Peter said, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 5 and 7. You'd think he was a fisherman. Cast, cast, cast. That is the first step. Become a good fisherman. Get good at casting your cares on him. Stop imagining the terrible things that are scaring you. Christ tells us to stop worrying about whether you will have what you need and seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. The second step, like I said, seek the kingdom of God. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. God of peace. How do you get peace? Stop thinking about what's going to go wrong and start thinking about those things. Every single time you catch yourself worrying, make yourself start thinking about this instead. Worry is an ungodly fear because it can't drive us towards a solution. The situation doesn't even exist. We just made the danger up. And if you think you can't stop worrying, then you won't. You are trapped in a fear because your faith isn't true. You're lying to yourself if you think you can't stop worrying. It's not easy. It takes time, believe me. I know. But with God, you can learn to stop worrying and think of good things instead. He gives you plenty of good things to think about, doesn't he? Paul says, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God gave you control. Not control over being tempted, <clears throat> excuse me, over being tempted to think bad things, but over what you decide to think about. You may be tempted to think of bad things because we're all tempted. But do you feed it? You have control. You get to decide whether you feed it. It is your God-given free will to choose what you think. No one can take that from you. Not even the devil. You can learn to stop it if you keep casting out those worries. As soon as you notice them, make yourself think about the things listed in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Number four. I'm half done. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Number four. Pray for God to help you and ask others to pray for your faith to be strong. Paul prayed for strength. Paul asked his brethren to pray for him to have strength. That's not a very long one, but it's a huge one. Number five, seek the escape and the hope. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Notice God is faithful. That's not in question here. God is faithful. The question is, are we faithful? 
Sadly, it's not always just the world that's serving up fear that leads to hopelessness. <clears throat> Sometimes we are serving up fear that leads to hopelessness. We need to be careful that we don't get so overcome with all of these fears that we don't see the escape and we generate hopelessness and despair. Sometimes we talk about how bad things in the world are getting and we wonder how much worse they're going to get. Paul told Timothy, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, 2 Timothy 3.13. But what are we trying to do? What are we trying to do? If you were 16 years old, and pardon me for those who are 16, if you're 16 years old and you were hearing this prophecy of doom, how would that affect you? Would it scare you? It scares me sometimes, and I'm not 16. I'm not saying that some of it isn't true, or that we shouldn't talk about how things are going and be concerned about the moral decline around us, but what fruit is it bearing? What's the point? Is it tempting others to hopelessness and to despair? We need to make sure we remind each other where our hope comes from rather than leaving each other drowning in the fear. If we're promoting feelings of hopelessness, that is not a feeling God would promote. The devil is the one promoting despair and hopelessness. God is the God of hope. Romans 15 and 3 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. If we're going to talk about the things that frighten us in this world, we better make sure we're ending up there where we have a solution. If we don't, we are not doing the work of God. It's our responsibility to end up there. And Psalm 78, starting in verse 5, says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. When Paul told Timothy that things were going to get worse and worse, that I just read, he says in the very next verse, the very next verse, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. If you're going to talk about the dangers, make sure you talk about the cure. Seek the escape and the hope. Number six, and this amount may sound kind of strange, wait for it to change. Wait for it to change. God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. I sure wish that wasn't in there. That ye may be able to bear it. Sometimes our faith is in God providing a way out. Sometimes our faith in God is for him to provide a way through. 
People can put up with a lot if they know it's not going to be permanent. 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but, all, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It won't last forever. This too shall pass. Can't tell you how many times that's helped me. This too shall pass. Number seven, last one. Help others to safety. <clears throat> Fear tempts us to become impatient, selfish. Remember when Elijah had confronted the 450 prophets of Baal and he had him executed, he was on a high. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you before tomorrow. And he takes off running. And he's hiding in a cave. And what's he say? Lord, it's gotten so bad down here. I'm the only one left. Just take me. We sometimes say that, don't we? We sometimes say that. That desire for the Lord to come back quickly is a scripture one, no doubt about it. But where does 2 Peter 3 and 9 fit with that? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are we saying that we've stopped sharing the gospel because we figure these people are hopeless? Do we stop sharing the gospel because we're afraid the evil is too great and nobody will listen? Apparently, God disagrees. Apparently, God disagrees because he is still waiting for others to accept him. God doesn't need more fighters. God doesn't need more communes for Christians to hide in. God needs more Christians showing and sharing his hope of salvation. And we can't do that if we are afraid and we lose our hope. So is faith greater than fear because you just get numb from the neck down? I don't think so. Faith is greater than fear because faith in God takes away the danger. Faith is greater than fear because faith in God takes away the danger. God takes away the danger through providing a way to escape the danger, a way to outlast the danger, and a way to remove the danger by forgiving us of our sins. He's got all the bases covered. When we know God's promises, God's character, and God's faithfulness, and we abide in him, then there is no danger. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38-39. You can beat me, you can torture me, you can kill me, but you can't take away God's love for me and my love for God. That resolves fear. So do you see what I see? 
You know, Elisha's servant saw a very similar thing. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I pray that the Lord will open our eyes so that we can see that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <laughs>